So before we begin the message, let's just take time to do that, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love, for your mercies, which are new every morning, for your steadfast faithfulness toward us. We thank you that when you save, you save to the uttermost. When you forgive, you forgive all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we are a very grateful people. We're grateful because we serve an awesome God. We're grateful because we live in a great country. And we today are also grateful because we gather together with a group of believers. We sing praises to your name and we worship you. And we are grateful that we have a God worthy of our worship and praise. May you speak to our hearts in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, I began a two-part series. We'd done a four-part before that, but this is five big blessings in my life. And it was too much to include in one day. And I love this picture. That's, that's what you're supposed to smile like every morning. And I think if I looked in the mirror and saw that, I'd smile. <laughs> and then I'd freak out. But, uh, you know, you, you get up in the morning and, and it, it, life is good. God is good. And yes, there's pains and there's sorrows and there's distresses. But even in our loss, we have a hope for the future. That we will see the ones that we love. We'll see them in heaven someday. What a glorious day that will be, huh? And so last week we looked at three of these big blessings. Now there's a note sheet in your bulletin. It has those three listed there and some blanks to fill in for the next two. The first is, Jesus Christ is my Savior. Now, if He's not your Savior, you can fix that today. You can ask Him to forgive your sins. You can ask Him to save you. And He will. He said, whoever comes to Him, He will never cast out. He will receive. He will forgive. And so we thought about, I am loved and I am forgiven and I am accepted because Jesus Christ is my Savior. The second big blessing is that I know I can trust the Lord even when life hurts. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't look at your life and say, oops. We do, but God doesn't. God uses everything. Nothing is extraneous. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things. Even that. All things. If you need help turning it off, just lay it on the floor. Charlie will turn it off with his shoe. Okay. I know I can trust the Lord even when life hurts. And... That's physical and emotional. We can trust God when life hurts. And, and we can do that because he uses even the attacks of Satan for our good. Paul testified to that in his letter to the church in Corinth. And then he also is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the big things, Lord of the universe. He's Lord of the little things. He's Lord of your paycheck. He's Lord of your car. He's Lord of your health. He's Lord of all. And, and the third thing that we looked at was that I belong in heaven and will get there as soon as my life on earth is over. 
Now pray for my folks. My dad's not doing well at all. Uh, he's really having some health issues. I've been trying to get up to see him. haven't been able to make the trip. He lives in Sholo now. And uh, so I'm hoping to go up there and see him this week. Pray that I'll be physically up to that. And, and, and you know, it's hard when you see people who've been really strong get weak. And, uh, but, but we know the end result. I watched my mom spend eight and a half years with Parkinson's and just get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And at the very end, she uh, was holding Anna. Well, Anna was a little baby, and she wanted to hold Anna, and she tried to reach her arm up, and it wouldn't work. So she, like, grabbed both arms together, and it didn't work, and Megan had to bring Anna down to her so she could see her. Uh, but at the moment my mom exhaled the last time, she was with the Lord. We talked about that last week. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're here, you're there. That fast. Before the doctors know you're dead, you're already with the Lord. And, and we know that. We have a reservation that's secure. And the Lord's going to be there to welcome us home. These are big blessings. Yeah, we have pain and we have strife and we have political turmoil. But we have big blessings. So I hope this week you walked around smiling at people. I hope people asked you, what's wrong? Because you were smiling so much. I Honestly, that happened to me after I got saved. I went back to school. I got saved during the summer. And I went back to school that fall, and a teacher I'd had my sophomore year said, what happened to you? I said, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he changed my life. And she said, wow, I guess so. I've never seen you smile before. And, and it brings joy. We have the Lord. And now, number four, new for this morning, I have a purpose for my life. I have a purpose for my life. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there talking about, you got to understand the purpose for your life. And I was reading a book or listening to an audio book this past week, and I just stopped after the first hour. There were seven hours to go, and I thought, I'm not going to spend that much of my life listening to that. I speed it up a little when I'm listening to. But her purpose in life was to help people feel good about themselves. Jesus had the opposite purpose. Jesus wanted people to see their sinfulness so they could repent and be saved. And so all kinds of, oh, they have their purpose in life. And I know men who think their purpose is their job, you know. They're focused on their job. They're, what happens when there's a downturn? What happens when there's a layoff? You are more than your job. You are more than your skills. You are more than your abilities. You have a purpose in life that's way bigger than you are. And so I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians and we'll be there in just a moment, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll be there in just a moment. All right, under this purpose in life, here's the first idea. We were born to bring glory to God. You were born to bring glory to God. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise... Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. To this awesome God. 
Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. You exist for God's pleasure. A lot of people think it's the opposite, that God exists for our pleasure, and God's supposed to make me healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, God can be glorified even when I'm dumb. God can be glorified even when I'm struggling financially. And so you are here not for God to make you happy, but for you to make God happy, to bring glory to God. Are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Look down at verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All right now, you're going to respond back to me. Why are we supposed to do everything? Do all to the glory of God. Now, sometimes we get the idea there's big jobs and little jobs, right? And there's jobs you want. I, I have never known a person who said, man, when I grow up, I'm going to haul trash. I, I know guys that do, but that's not their dream job. Some of them do it temporarily. Do you ever know? I had to get a new windshield this week. Ours cracked and started splitting across. And for some reason, Kathy thought we should replace it. And, and so we, I went down there and I got it. And the guys doing it, they're like less than half my age, right? What do they do? They pull off a windshield, they put on a windshield all day long. That's all they do. Not exactly your dream job. But you know, whatever job you're doing, if it's sweeping floors or cleaning toilets, you can do it to the glory of God. A job well done is a good job even if the job may not be the dream job you had. But everything you do is to bring glory to God. So we're going to eat this afternoon, this evening, at 5 o'clock. We're going to start with eating, okay? Is that all right with you guys? That that works for me. Uh, We're going to start at 5 o'clock, and we're going to eat first, and then we'll have a shorter service afterward. Uh, Our normal service starts at 5, but we're going to start with eating right at 5 o'clock. So... Please don't be late. Bring your stuff. Have it ready to go. And uh, when you're eating, think about how is this bringing glory to God? Well, I'll tell you, if you're diabetic and you've just piled on the dessert at the dessert tray, that's probably not bringing glory to God. Now, we could get into all kinds of other things. But whether you eat or drink. I know a lot of Christians who are coffee-holics. They can't function in the morning without their coffee. They stagger out, bleary-eyed, don't talk to me till I've had a cup or two. Well, Kathy and I got saved and stopped drinking coffee. We never liked coffee, okay? We never did. So we don't have coffee in our house. When the kids who stay in our house who love coffee, they go to Starbucks or something and they get their fix. And we just don't even have it, I don't think. But but whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, when you're getting dressed, you should think about the glory of God. 
When you're driving your car, you should think about the glory of God. When you're greeting a neighbor, you should think about the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You have a purpose. You were born to bring glory to God. And here's the really cool thing. You can do this. Every one of you has the capacity to bring glory to God. Or not. Based on the choices and the values in your life. Another idea, and turn to uh, John chapter 3, please. Or John chapter 20, sorry. John chapter 20. We have been commissioned to represent Jesus Christ on earth. I shared this with you before, but some years ago, I wish I could remember his name. It, it just really impressed me. They had a gathering of the Fortune 400, the 400 biggest corporations in America. And the Fortune 400 and all these CEOs, they were introducing themselves. And one guy stood up and he literally talked for 10 minutes about how wonderful he was and how awesome he was and how blessed his company was to have him working for him. And then this other guy stood up and he said his name, and I wish I could remember, but I can't. And he said, I am a full-time representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order to feed my family, I run this trillion-dollar business. (laughs) I loved it. That's how we're supposed to be. We, we have been commissioned to represent him. Are you in John chapter 20? Look at verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father hath sent me, I also send you. Now, for a short time in the Marine Corps, I worked for the battalion XO, uh, the executive officer of the battalion. He was a major. Our company commander was out, and so he was filling in at the company level. Normally, that was a captain billet, but the major was helping fill in, and, and he and I worked really closely. Wonderful Christian man. We got along great. Uh, it, it was a blessing to serve God. But, but I remember going over and talking to a captain, because I was the battalion admin chief, and I was talking to a captain in one of our sub-companies because some things they were doing wasn't right. And so I went over to correct it. I was a sergeant, E5. He was a captain. I was enlisted. He was an officer. He way outranked me. But I went to him in the name of the major. And he sat and listened, and he corrected things. Not because I was awesome, but because he and I worked for the same major. And you and I represent Jesus Christ. We don't just represent Victory Baptist Church, and although I'm, I'm delighted to be part of Victory Baptist Church. I love you folks. I love being here. But this is bigger than this church. We represent Jesus Christ. Christ. And you are commissioned to represent Him. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends you, His disciples, those who are following Him. We are sent by Jesus to carry on the work of Christ, to love 
like He loved. To live like He lived. And, and we are partners with omnipotence. Isn't that cool? Partners with omnipotence. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, We are God's fellow workers. You and I are partnering with God. We can bring glory to God and we represent Christ and we serve Him together. So, I mean, I, I like that. I'm really glad it doesn't just say, for Casa Grande, Jeff Miller is the representative of Jesus and we all conform to Jeff. <laughs> Jeff said, that might work though. But, but see, we're all called to Jesus. I, I was talking with my brother about it a couple, a couple of months ago. We were having breakfast or lunch. I don't remember which it was. We both had to go to the VA hospital. And, and so he had to go early and I had to go later. And so we met in between for either a late breakfast or an early lunch. And, and uh, we were talking about how God calls us to represent Jesus to be conformed to Jesus. And, and my brother said, nothing like raising the bar, huh? God doesn't say, be, be as good as Jeff Miller. He says, strive to be like Jesus Christ. And we partner with omnipotence in what we do. So our prayers, they're not just the feeble prayers of you. The Holy Spirit's joining with you in prayer, Romans 8, 29. He's, he's partnering with you in this prayer so that when you don't know what to pray for as you ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I said the wrong reference there, but that's the right verse. The Holy Spirit's praying with you in prayer. You're partnering with omnipotence. And then you are called... To serve. Galatians 5.13 says, By love, serve one another. Called to serve. It's a little dark in the background there, but there's hands reaching together. You are called to reach out and serve and minister and care. We're all called to do that. Nobody gets a pass. It's not like, all right, in the church, you know, I'm the pastor, right? So I'm in charge of all you little people. And all you little people out there, you serve, but I I'm above that. No. The exact opposite, actually. If you have a pastor who's not serving, you're supposed to fire him, according to the Scripture. And, and there's supposed to be people who labor and toil and love and serve, and we serve together. And, and we're called to serve. So, when you see a need, you're supposed to do something about it. You're supposed to help. You're supposed to Reach out. I told you before, I, w I was in the grocery store. I don't like grocery stores. I rarely go to them. Too many options. You, know, you go to the cereal aisle and it's not like three things. It's like 40 And, you know, who knew they would have cereal that's like cookies? Cookie cereal and all kinds of things that are cereal. They'll probably have Twinkie cereal coming soon. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of stuff in the cereal aisle and it's supposed to be Vitamin fortified. It, it's, it's like sugared cardboard or something like that. But, but there was this old lady 
in this aisle. And, and I was walking down this aisle, and I was walking really fast. And she's trying to reach, and she can't quite reach something. And she was a frail, older lady. And I said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, yes. I, and then she's pointing to this big double case of beer. <laughs> And so I reached it down, and I put it in her basket, and I said, Lord, I'm not sure that was the right thing to do or not, but you told me to serve people, and so I was trying to serve, and then I got out of there quickly. So, uh. But you know, when you're called to serve, sometimes it puts you in awkward positions, doesn't it? And, and sometimes, some people expect you to serve. You know, they drop something and they expect you to pick it up and hand it back to them. Okay, if they can't bend over, that's a reasonable expectation, right? And I know some folks, they, they reach over to get something off the ground and the whole body just ends up on the ground, right? But, but some people just expect you to serve them. And, and if you tie getting somewhere, they expect you to step back so they can go first, even though you got there at the same time. You know, let me tell you something. Here's a secret, okay? You serve. You let Jesus worry about all that other stuff. You don't have to be first. You don't have to go last. You just serve, and you let Jesus work out all those things. Even if somebody takes advantage of you, you're serving, you're earning eternal reward, you're representing Jesus, you're doing what Jesus did when he was on the earth. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So we're called to serve as we represent Jesus. And, and lastly, we are gifted for ministry. We are gifted for ministry. So all of us have different skills and abilities. And, I, you know, I was listening to the kids' choir and listening to them sing, and I always remember when, when I was a kid, my brothers and I sang, and we sang a trio on the radio. Because my great-grandpa's church, they broadcast on the radio the whole service. And, and I sang with my brothers. And we sang a song that had five verses. And so it was on verse number one, three, and five. We would all three sing. In verse two, Gary would have a solo. And verse four, Jim would have a solo. And Terry was supposed to just sing quietly. That was the instruction <laughs> given. Terry just sing quietly. So on the radio, it sounded like more of a duet than a trio, and it was probably for the good. But, but God has gifted you for ministry, and our ministries are different. I, I, honestly, as a pastor, I wish God had given me more of the gift of showing mercy. Sometimes I have to really work at it. I was a great Marine. But you know, as a pastor, you can't go Marine on somebody, right? But, but God helps me grow and conscious effort. And, but some people are just natural at showing mercy. And some of you, you visit with people and they just feel so much better just by your touch, by your prayer. Some of you are gifted musically. We have different skills and abilities. And God said, everybody's deficient. But what happens when we all work together, we fill in the gaps. And so we're stronger together than we could ever be separately. And I know some pastors, I even worked on staff for one, he acted like if everybody was exactly like him, the church would be perfect. 
But the Bible says, if everybody's exactly like me, the church is deficient. Because he splits up the gifts. He divides them severally as he will. He gives different people different gifts and different abilities. And when we work together, amazing things can happen for the glory of God. And you are gifted for ministry to serve in some way, in some capacity. And so we have this amazing purpose in our life. You know, before you were saved, uh, well, before I was saved, I believed the theory of evolution. I believed we were all just sort of a cosmic accident and there was no purpose to life at all. And I lived as if there was no purpose to life. I lived as if there was no future. And then I got saved and I started studying what the Lord has for us. And, and I realized God created us for a purpose. And long before my parents were expecting Terry, long before anything like that was taking place, long before my parents were born, God had planned my birth and he'd given me abilities. And then after I get saved, spiritual abilities to use in a way that can bring glory to him. And we're all gifted in different ways. But we all have the capacity to serve God. And, and we were born to bring glory to God. And he has a purpose for your life. And when you're going through the hard times, it's hard to trust the purpose he has for your life, right? But it's true. All right, number five. Jesus is my Savior. I know I can trust the Lord even when life hurts. I belong in heaven and will be there Someday, as soon as my life on earth ends, and I have a purpose in my life. And number five, I have relationships that fill my life with joy and encourage me to walk in integrity with the Lord. Relationships. All right now, um, you're still in John 20, are you? Still there? I am. So in John 20, uh, look at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Lord gave the Holy Spirit. So we each have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Each of us do. A personal relationship through the Holy Spirit. And so the other day, I asked my grandkids, uh, who's my favorite person in the whole world? And Leah said, Jesus. And I said, well, yes, okay. Who's my favorite person on planet Earth? And they said, Grandma. And I said, yes. And every time I hug them, I tell them, I love you, but I love your grandma more. No, I don't do that, okay? <laughs> I don't want to warp the kids, but... You know, my favorite person on planet Earth is Kathy and has been for more than 40 years, even though we haven't been married that long. I fell in love with her when we were teenagers. She still was when we got married, but I wasn't. But, but we have relationships. And the number one relationship you need to cultivate is with Jesus. A good marriage, a bad marriage, a good marriage or bad marriage. A bad marriage is difficult. A good marriage is a blessing. But 
The best relationship is your relationship with Jesus. And you cultivate that by talking to Him and listening to Him. And the primary way you listen to Him is through the Word. You read the Scripture and the Holy Spirit uses that to speak into your life to draw you closer to Jesus Christ. All right, so we each have this personal relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We also have an intimate relationship with the Word of God. I know that sounds a little odd. Turn with me, please, to, oh, wait, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I left a verse out. Through the, through the, tell you what, you just turn to Hebrews, okay? Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says that, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's how Paul ends that letter in Hebrews chapter 4. So we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, and we have an intimate relationship with the Word of God. You say, how can it be a relationship with a book? Well, because this is not just a book. It's a book that contains the very Word of God. It's a book that is the very Word of God. And as we'll read here, it's alive. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living. There's a dynamic relationship. As you study the Bible, as you read the Bible, it speaks into your heart and your life. And as you age and as you grow and as you mature, it speaks differently. The same verse you come to understand in a different way because now you know God better. You understand the verse more completely. Uh, so the Word of God is living and powerful. Um, my pastor used to always say, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. It's powerful. Lives have been transformed by this book. By reading, studying, understanding, and drawing closer to the Lord. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God, the written Word, to speak into your life, just like Jesus, the living Word, speaks into your life. And so we have the written Word of God, and we study and we grow, and it pierces and it shows us the inside of us. Because on the outside, we can look really good. I mean, you can go to church and you can carry a Bible, and you know, some of you maybe have your name in gold on it. I have that on a couple of my Bibles, but... I was too cheap to do it this time, but uh, you can get your name in gold on your Bible, and you know they carry that Bible like that old guy used to carry the family Bible to church, you know. And having a big Bible doesn't make you right with God. It's not how much of the Bible you hold in your hand; it's how much you hold in your heart. How much it impacts the inside of you. And if you're reading and studying the Bible and you don't think of anything at all that you should possibly change or it doesn't excite you or it doesn't instruct you, then probably you're not saved because the Bible says you need the Holy Spirit to understand the Word of God. And you read it a little bit at a time. Get better at it. 
in the Old Testament, it calls it line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You grow. You get better at it. How does somebody get good at baking? They read a book, and then it just happens, right? No, actually, the best bakers don't even look at recipes. They just do a pinch of this, a dash of that, you know, and it's great. Why? Because they practiced it. And you can get better at understanding and applying the Word of God if you practice it. So you can have an intimate relationship with the Word of God. And if you don't feel like you have a relationship with the Bible, you can grow one. Start spending time in it every day. If you used to do us like I do, put it down as a daily routine. Read my Bible. Put, put it on your calendar. Schedule it. Have your phone ring an announcement every day. It's time to read your Bible. But you'll get better at it. You'll understand it better. We have some tools that can help too, but, but it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And in verse 13, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The word of God is the measure God will use when holding your life into account. And you will be fully exposed, fully exposed. He can see the inside of you and the outside of you. He knows your thoughts and intents of your heart. And so you learn the Word of God to bring glory to God, and it builds that relationship that you have with God. But then we have some responsibilities to each other, right? Don't we? Listen, I just made a short list of these things. We are to serve one another, to receive one another, to admonish one another, to salute one another, to greet one another, to forbear one another. That's the one that gives us problems, right? The greeting, saluting, forbearing is a little more challenging. To forgive one another, to comfort one another, to exhort or encourage one another. Now, what's the one I've left out? To love one another. To love one another. This challenge to love one another is pretty important. One of the rules we have for understanding Scripture, when God repeats Himself, this is more important, right? Everything's important. Everything has value. But when God repeats Himself, and so we see... In John 13, 34, John 15, 12, John 15, 17, Romans 13, 8, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, 1 Peter 1, 22, 1 John 3, 11, 3, 23, 4, 7, 4, 11, 4, 12, 2 John verse 5. You think God wants us to get this idea? Love one another. And so we have this amazing human relationships that really help us, that really encourage us. You know, I shared this before, but uh, years ago I was I was facing discouragement. I was I was disheartened. Uh, I was facing some circumstances, and physically I was struggling a little bit, and emotionally, uh, some some people were um, treating me unkindly and sometimes brutally, and 
And I, I felt like I should just quit. And I remember being in the kitchen before a service one Sunday night when I was really discouraged. I thought, how can I get up and preach? I am so discouraged. And Jeff Miller came into the kitchen. And Jeff Miller put his hands on my shoulder. And in the sweetness of Christian encouragement, said something like, suck it up, Marine. It is what it is. Now get out there and serve God. Something like that. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not, this is not an elaborate exaggeration. He kind of got in my face and told me, it's not about me, it's about God. And God had called me to serve, and I better get out there and serve, or I'm in trouble with God and with the deacons. And it really encouraged me. And, you know, if he'd put his arm around my shoulder and cried with me, that wouldn't have helped much at all. I needed a kick in the pants, but he gave me a shake in the shoulder instead. But people really help us and encourage us. And God has given me the opportunity to to be with people and pray with people in some of the most difficult days of their lives. And they're grateful to have somebody there who cares. You know, there's a song that used to be sung in churches. No man cares for my soul, thus cry the millions. I I don't remember the rest of the song. That just popped into my head. Did you know there's a lot of people out there who feel like nobody cares? There's kids out there whose parents don't show love. There's people out there who get no love and affirmation on the job or in the home. And guess what we get to do? We are called by God to represent Jesus, to show His love and share His truth as we serve God together. And and we have the capacity to help them begin a relationship with the Lord. So we have relationships with other people that are in the family of God, our our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and we are family. I was talking to Michael before church. I can't remember the last time I saw Michael. I think he couldn't even grow a beard yet. I'm not sure, but it's been a long time. And he walked up and he's like, hey, you know, it's great to see each other. Because we're family in the Lord. And... Then we have relationships with other people who need a relationship with the Lord. And we can help knock down barriers between them and Christ by showing His love and sharing His truth. And sometimes we'll see them get saved. And then they'll grow in the Lord and they'll mature in Christ. my youth pastor had the opportunity to lead me to the Lord years later, 20 years later maybe. He and I had the opportunity to participate in several funerals together, including my mom's. As we were, and, and when his 
son married my daughter. We both did the wedding together. And so they have one of the rare marriage licenses that have two pastors signing as the officiating ministers. But there was a time when I gave him a lot of gray hair. But he kept praying and he kept inviting me to Christ. And one day I responded and he led me to the Lord. We have an amazing opportunity because we serve an amazing God who has given us big, huge blessings that help us transcend the toil of life and focus on the joys of our eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace. We thank you for the blessings you pour into our lives. You are the God of our salvation who daily loads us with benefits. We thank you. And I pray that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you and to accept our responsibility to represent you. And may we do it with love and grace, just like you did. In Jesus' name, amen.